How's it going, everybody? It's time for another episode of Music of the Minor League. This week, we're joined by Chris Barnes. If you've been hanging around the big top, you've probably seen him holding down the bass for multiple artists in the Houston Horny Tonk Society. If you're old school, you remember him playing bass for Blackgrass Gospel. Before that, played guitar for the AM Prowlers, bass player for Johnny Hoot Rock. Played bass with a ton of people over the years. And just a dude we were really excited to sit down and talk to, man. We've known Barnes peripherally for many years, so it was good to find finally get a night to sit down with them and talk music we know you're gonna like the conversation it covers a lot of really interesting stuff a lot of travel just man a lot of great stories in there man chris really gave us a good interview man we really enjoyed it it was a lot of fun so all right instead of making y'all wait let's get to the interview man but we got a few things to just get out of the way our standard housekeeping first as always tell your friends let them know spread the podcast man get the word out we want people to listen we want people to be able to check out all these bands and it really helps if you take the time to tell your friends about it if you enjoyed it and you told your friends about it three months ago go in now man say it once again maybe they'll notice this time the algorithm keeps crushing everything down so gotta do all we can to get the word out second you like the bands and the music we discussed go follow them in your streaming network of choice that really helps them get new venues and in the case of Barnes here man make sure you go out Tuesday night Houston Horny Tonk Society they just celebrated their first anniversary this next Tuesday Chris Seymour and the Western Cosplay will be playing. Barnes is holding down bass on that show, so go out there next Tuesday. Support them out at the Big Top. Finally, if you're interested in seeing Brightwire, we do have some shows coming up. This Saturday, we'll be at the Naughty Beaver Hut in Crystal Beach, Texas, my hometown, for like a local show with Clancy Jones and Michael Farrell. So it's all people who grew up in the area, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. I haven't seen a lot of these dudes in a while. So if you're in the area, come hang out. Then next week, we're going to hit the road to New Mexico. They'll see us at the Pokey Pokey Cevicheria in Albuquerque, New Mexico on the 16th, Ponderosa Brewing in Albuquerque on the 17th, and Little Toad Creek Brewery and Distillery in Silver City, New Mexico on the 18th. That's an early show, 1 to 4. The others are all 6 to 9. Then, the following week, we'll be back home with a hometown show at Shoeshine Charlie's Big Top Lounge. That'll be us, the March Divide, and two-fifths. If everything works out, we'll be doing a full band show that night. It'll be our first ever full band Brightwire show. We're only going to do a couple of them, and this is one of them. Then the next night on June 24th, we'll be playing the Ace District Summer Music Festival here in Baytown, Texas. That'll be with us, full band, Grifters and Shills, Daniel Lynn, Tony James, Michael Mike, and Nolan Shanks. That kicks off at 5 o'clock. Now, before we get to the interview, one last thing we wanted to point out is that moving into the summer, we are playing a lot, we're touring a lot, we're recording, so we're going to move back to the initial two episodes a month pace. That'll help us get everything knocked out. We really do need to work on these new songs and practice and we're going to take a break through the june july and probably august month and only do two a month not going to say there may not be a awesome interview we can't hold on to where we end up getting three a month but we can guarantee you'll get one twice a month so after that man y'all have a good one we'll catch y'all on the other side of the interview we're going to kick it off with johnny hoot rock this one's called brand new cadillac for their live in norway record here we go Thank you. 
All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Music in the Minor League. We're here today with Mr. Chris Barnes, who we know from currently playing with the Broken Spokes, part of the Houston Horny Tonk Society, and we knew him at first from uh, Blackgrass Gospel out of Alvin, Texas. Thank you for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here, man. All right, kind of a man. cool thing y'all got put together here. I know, from like early on, like Chris, the person we kept like, putting off for no real reason other than just like, yeah, dude, we'll do Make it. Make sure he we'll wanted it. it. We'll Make do sure it. Wanted, like, yeah. Now you know, sure we've been toying nice. with you. <laughs> I probably deserved it. How does that it, make you feel? <laughs> probably deserved it. <laughs> Maybe he's just being nice. He just says he wants to be here. <laughs> no, man, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Just the ADD hits. It's like, yeah, dude, Chris had this. And it's like, <laughs> so we finally did it. Episode 21 and Chris Barnes is here. This episode's old enough to drink. That's good. Sweet. Perfect. It is. Man, we're moving into big boy episodes. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. We are now past the overall average of any podcast period. Yeah, we should be monetizing. The actual format. average is 20. That's where most people's end. So Damn. we're above average wow. finally. Took us long enough. What are we going to monetize? How are we going to monetize, though? Like, we gonna, Is a brewery going to sponsor us? That's a pretty good angle to work. <laughs> that would I be think. great. That would be a great one. <laughs> I think Kia should sponsor us since we tour all over America in a Kia Soul. That's true. Not that either. Either. But I think <laughs> you're probably going to get time. further with the brewery thing <laughs> after hearing all like all the beer cans opening in the background, right, like every true. episode I've listened to. It is yeah. true, yeah, because we did. That's what was weird. We did the 20th episode. We realized it had been like 10 since we recorded it at the studio at the library. Right. So there was no, like everyone. Right. We'd all What's been. up, y'all? We're here. We're all comfortable. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they frown on that in a public library, huh? Yeah, we, so we don't drink out. there. That episode we went a little water. further off the rails. Like, it's like the, that was the one that would stay completely clean. I was like, yeah, that's why. No one was drinking mm-hmm. at all the whole time. True. Exactly. And also, before we start, we want to send a special shout out to Mr. Chris Chrisman for some of the new equipment he just dropped on us. So thank Ooh, you very yeah. much, thank sir. You, Chris. Thanks for the stands and the The mics. tabletop stands are rad. They're working out perfect. using them right now. Thank you. Literally. Right. So, thank you for that, good sir. You're the man. All right, man. Well, we're gonna start out the whole thing. Say the whole time I've known you, like I said before we got on, you've been you've been a bass player, but you really yeah. had a whole life before yeah. that. Rumor has guitar it. with people and stuff. So, like we start out with everybody. What got you into playing music, man? I just kind of. I got a guitar for Christmas one year. That's pretty much the long and short of it. I was always around music and like different kinds of music. You know, when I was a kid, I would be like screaming Van Halen lyrics at the top of my lungs in my mom's car and in my grandma's car. I'd be singing like from a Jack to a King or something. So pretty diverse musical influence from a young age. But when I was like 13 or so, got a guitar for Christmas, didn't really know anything about how to play. I just knew I wanted to do it. And a guy taught me a few chords and then I kind of just went from there. I taught myself how to read tabs and stuff like that. It seems like it's always 13 or 14. (coughs) That's like a pivotal age. I I think think that's a magic age where you're like figuring out who you want to be or like what direction you want to go in as a person and like how to develop your personality. So yeah, I think that's right because like around (laughs) what, 12, 13, 14, you start like, are you going to be a sports kid? Are you going to go down that path? You know, like that right. starts taking your time. And if you're not, you might start steering towards being a band nerd, present person. And you also, I think it's yes. where your hands kind of get big enough too, to where you can actually play. Some of your best around with guitars when I was little, it was like, ow. Like anything outside True. of single string runs was just like, ow. Oh, yeah. Maybe one day yeah. Kim's hands will get big enough so she can play guitar. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I am 49. There could be a growth spurt coming on. I don't think so. Uh, there was a certain band member in Blackgrass Gospel we, we used to tease about that quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, that's why they make <laughs> instruments at different sizes for uh, different yeah, size people. That's true. <laughs> that's why, yeah, ukulele is like a full size guitar for you. Exactly. <laughs> 
we get like we need to get like I a full size guitar body with a ukulele neck, yeah. <laughs> so it projects more. But it's just bling, bling, bling. super loud ukulele. We should make like, this happen. Man, that uke's got a lot of low end frequencies coming from it. Like, what's going? Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. That could that could work, man. Told you, man, be good. Somebody All right, thirteen. We get a guitar. Yeah, and then um, you start playing. And it is funny. The tabs are like the number one thing, man. Once once tabs like you get on the internet, be like, here's how you play this insert song. Oh yeah, that was huge. Yeah, yeah but like. The other side of that is that, like, there were so many tabs in the early days of, like, dial-up, you know? That magical era of internet where nobody could pick up the phone when you were yeah. downloading something. <laughs> those were the days. You had and two phone lines. This, so many of those tabs were just so wrong. So you would get something and play <laughs> it and be like, this is not what I'm trying to play. Nope. So from there, like, you start kind of using your ear. You know, it gives you a good, like, a good skeleton, I guess you could yeah. say. Like, you're trying mm-hmm. to learn this lead run or some chord voicings off or whatever and like just having enough time to sit and figure that out at that age and uh man i chased it for a long time i started playing like the first thing i ever did live i think i was like 14 or 15 i played the star spangled banner at like a school talent show in junior high and sweet you know, Classic. you kind of get the bug after that. But yeah. and then did uh, you have any friends that played? Oh or? yeah, yeah, okay. tons of friends that played. And you like played with them, and you guys kind of got better. Yeah, playing uh, off of each bounce other, bounce stuff off each other. Like yeah. everybody had different influences and stuff <laughs> like that. You know, I mean, I was like really into punk and metal and stuff back in the day, and I still am. I just you know. Like I'm getting old, dude. <laughs> I'm getting older. It's yeah. kind of funny. I've have been having to come to terms with that in my older age. It's like I was like a little punk metal kid, and then I got really into punk. I'm thinking 90 percent of that reason was because I started playing guitar, and it was way easier to be like, "Oh man, here's this Dead Kennedys or Minor Threat or Thirty Foot Fall song." Versus like, "How's that Slayer riff go?" Like, yeah, never mind, dude. Like, punk rock, it is. Well, I mean, great, dude. I was one of those kids that was super dedicated to like. Like, I just, I have to get really good really fast, you know? So, like, I started off, I think I learned, like, the beginning of a Nirvana song first and just play the bejesus out of it, you know, until, like, your fingers are almost bleeding. And then I went from that to, like, okay, I'm going to learn Master of Puppets. And it took me a while, but, like, I finally got that main riff down and I was like, yes! And just from there i went crazy man i was really into pantera so by the time i was like 18 or 19 i could play like all the pantera hits you know yeah. cowboys from hell and mouth from war and all that stuff and but it's been so long since i've touched the guitar right my first big boy riff i think i ever learned was two minutes to midnight like, that is a that. good one dude because i was just like i liked iron maiden a lot and i was like okay this i'm ready like i'm like i'm like 17 i can do this this is the time and yes you know I was like, I did it. Like, it sounds. And then, you know, I'm sure if you played it now up against it, it'd be like, darn, darn, darn. But I do think it's really interesting that I have learned as a person who was not into punk rock when I was growing up because I led a very sheltered life that there is a, it seems like there's a certain springboard from punk into folk rock, like Americana. So don't, when you really boil yeah. it down, there's not a difference. There's right. Really not. Outside of like, I mean, hell, if you go with like bluegrass and stuff, there's not even a beats per minute difference. Like, right. it's just there's like, really not. We just turn up the distortion and everyone yells stuff instead of being all like, four-part harmony yeah high lonesome you know you know but yeah when you really boil it down if you take a lot like i said old folk and bluegrass like they're playing fast like everyone's like really fast and you know they're shredding and stuff and it's but really that was the point i mean i I could give you people that are 20 years older than me that talked about seeing 
the Ramones for the first time was like, I can play music. Yeah. It became attainable. Yeah, it was, it made it accessible to you. you know? Yeah. And a lot of that is, you know, it always goes back to the, like, after the first dude ran a four minute mile, like suddenly everyone could. It was just getting that mental block of like, well, you have to be a special person, you know, normally, especially like in the 70s. You have to be a special person from England. You have to be Led Zeppelin sure. or who. And, you know, how can we do this in Ohio or bumfuck Texas? Or And then all of a sudden you're like, dude, I can do the Sex Pistols. I can do the Ramones. I can do exactly. all that. Exactly. And then exactly, the internet man. happened and tabs. It's like once you learn the magic of the power cord. Yeah. It's all, I mean, it's gravy after all that. You're, you're good from there. And that just builds it where you start getting some sort of, again, like, you know, just doing like weird little runs on like dead Kennedy songs where I was like, I could probably figure out two minutes to midnight. Like, it's just like, you know, and people start doing stuff like that. And then I just kind of retreated back after that. I didn't keep pushing my metal, but it's good, but it's just giving you that ability to go like, I can do this. Like someone can. Well, I think it's in like, as you age, you realize it's more attainable the more you understand it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, then you hit your mid-20s, you're like, this is not attainable. I can't do it. <laughs> I suck. This is out of my realm. I will not be famous. This never will happen. I started to kind of like really play out and do stuff with bands when I was, uh, I mean, in my teen years, I just kind of was trying to figure out who to play with and how to play with other people and stuff too. Cause that, I think that's like a crucial component of becoming a good musician. Cause you know, you all like, there's so many different personality types in this world as you, as y'all know. And you have the guy that like wants to be the front man, but maybe isn't the best front man. And he has to figure that out on his own. So like, I think 22, I was, I just put together a punk band with some buddies from Alvin. It was called the AM Prowlers. And, uh, We had a lot of fun. We were really rowdy. Got into some trouble at a few places. Got kicked out of a few venues. You know, like typical punk rock stuff. And uh, I met a band from Houston called The Ghost Stories through them. And uh, it was a an awesome psychobilly project. And I went on the I went on tour with them as like a merch guy. And this was like I want to say 2009 into 2009 or like August. And we did the entire West Coast. And previous to that, you know, besides going to like Austin or whatever for the weekend, I had never like really hit the road. So it was total crash course and how to do this in a van with six other people and gear and merch. You know, it was like I think we did 15 days. We played uh, 13 shows in 15 days. And we went from Houston, like, all the way up to L.A. and back. And so, and after that, I just kind of... You were addicted. Just ran with it, yeah. <laughs> got addicted to it, man. It, it's like, it gets in your blood, I guess. It's kind of weird. If it you're not fun. a musician, you don't really understand it. I think that's where I first met you, was when you were in the Ghost Stories, because you played Pearwood Skate Rink for the Roller Derby. Yes. And I was your sound guy. Yes. And I remember, like, I was like, I guess they would just call me like hey we have to, we have a show coming up can you make do the sound yeah so i never knew who was playing so it was always like okay and they came out and i was like this is cool as hell like and i was like all right this is fun and so yeah then, and then, then the next time i saw you were playing with black grass i was like oh this dude's playing bass now what the hell that's a weird story in and of itself like some of the details of how i acquired and came to play the upright bass may need to be changed but <laughs> uh, nothing nothing nefarious or crazy just I'll, I'll leave out some names to protect the innocent I guess but it was one of those deals like I, I was dating this girl who had a really good job and uh, kind of mentioned in passing that it was something I was interested in because I feel like it's a dying art you know especially the the style that I play you see rockabilly guys do it 
but it's less and less of that, right? Yeah. Like, you get out and you don't see those kind of things as much anymore, so... Or when you see those bands, it's the same bass player in five of them. Right. Because they're the one that does it. Right. right. And that right. area code. <laughs> right. That's kind of, like, yeah. I mean, I think that's another reason that I gravitated towards that. Like, as a lead guitar player and a rhythm guitar player that had a limited skill set, you know, I... You're, eventually your phone's going to stop ringing at some point in time. Nobody's... They're a dime a dozen. You can throw a rock and hit a lead guitar player, right? Yeah. But a good bass player is a little bit harder to find. And a good drummer is really hard to find. But I suck at drums, and I always have. So <laughs> I have to I have to feed Same. that need by using my right hand on the fingerboard to get all those clickety-clackety sounds out of that bass, you know? That's thing, yeah. When you can do that whole, like... It's like it takes away the need even for a percussionist a lot of times. Like, yeah, it's there. A really good upright player, like if you hear like a good rockabilly trio or something like that, you won't right. even realize that the drummer's gone. Yeah. And it's it's incredible. It's it's a sight to behold, you know. And, and those guys too, like rockabilly guys, psychobilly guys, when you see those bands, it's like a three-piece band with a bass player and a, and a guitar player and a drummer. Those guys are playing to their fullest capabilities at all all times when they're on that stage like they can make three people sound massive and it's that's a super respectable quality so is that what did you see someone do it and it got you like oh i want to try that i mean like playing in the psychobilly band for like four years and just seeing all these ridiculous bass players i mean ridiculous guitar players too but guys that were doing stuff that like you watch their hands and you hear it but you don't see it because it happens that fast yeah you know and you're like holy shit this is like i want to do this this looks awesome and it's super physical you know like it's it's a lot more physical than playing guitar it i mean i feel it a lot more after i play bass all night versus uh, yeah i'm gonna play a two-hour set on guitar and just you know be the rhythm guy and hang back next day you're fine but if you're out drinking with your buddies and you're beating the hell out of an upright for three hours you're gonna feel that shit in the morning like yep. my fingers are shredded right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was one of the things just knowing because like you know my son played upright bass like an orchestra stuff and then even though that's he'd be like do 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 but then going and seeing bands was like that do, 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 do. and it's like yeah you're, like, you're doing a whole it never stops it's almost yeah man i mean it helps helps move the beat along too like if you got a really good drummer and you're locked in the pocket with that guy and you're playing off of whatever he's doing like you know obviously i have to pay a lot of attention to the click but or the kick the click the kick but you know like whatever he's doing on his hi-hat or his snare like i'll try to accent that or play off of it like i always try to be tasteful about what i do you know i mean i feel like that's my job i'm part of the rhythm section i'm not supposed to stand out but i want to do some tasty shit too look that's when you become an actual rhythm section where you're both kind of accenting each other and right. making it work well i think there's something really incredible about seeing a band live that has a rhythm section that's really locked into each other and it you know maybe not for everybody but after you see a few bands like that live like you start to look for that kind of thing yeah you kind of get spoiled it makes with you it. pay attention like you know to how just how in sync they are with each other and how i think it's really i never it was not something i really noticed about music until i started watching live music sure 
Sure. So. Yeah, and it's one of those things that once you've heard a good rhythm section, you can pick out a bad rhythm section real quick. In a heartbeat. Yes, like, absolutely. I think a good illustration that we were at Pondstock last year, like Lauren Walker Madsen, like he had a kick put drum and his upright player had like a brush stuck between his fingers. And while he was doing that, he had a pad that it was like, oh, yeah, man. How much the two of them together were like a full out, like you had bass, drums. That's like, that's a really cool old school technique, too. And like, that's going back to dying art and things you never see like you don't see that anymore yeah that's the thing that's you know it's like a very niche thing you're only going to catch that here or there and it's cool that things like pawn stock exist because you're not going to see them anywhere else like, right you know, you're, like you're not going to see a guy doing that shit at the heights theater or something like that you know i mean probably not but the chances are very very minimal. slim maybe very once slim. a year the close yeah. we got yeah. like you know when marty stewart came through we got to see some yeah. similar stuff that's about it man i missed that one i really wish i could have been in there Oh, that was, I bet it was. The director of my library was just like, you're the only person I know who would appreciate these tickets. So here, you want them? And I was like, yes. (laughs) So we were like, that's a hell of a gift, man. Yeah. We were like 10 feet from him. It was just like, oh my God, like this is. His whole band was insane. Oh yeah. He's got a Kenny, Kenny Vaughn on guitar. Yeah. 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 Dude. Yeah. That guy's a powerhouse, man. I can't remember. It's one of the Scru- Earl Scruggs' Chris. grandsons on bass. Chris yeah, Scruggs. Chris Scruggs. Yeah. Chris Scruggs, that's yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, even you know when the drummer comes up, he plays guitar and sings on like the acoustic stuff. You're like, okay, yeah, like everybody in this band. Everybody yeah. in this band can do whatever so, the well, Everybody's do. really good at this. Yeah. I wonder right. why they're so successful. <laughs> There's no weak links. Like, I will play this instrument now. You want to just feel like they can just toss it every instrument to each other and be like all right here you go those guys that just kind of like piss you off and like why am i even doing this when there's people like that out there but you know everybody has their has their space you know i guess like if you're good at what you do like everybody's good at something right like whatever style you develop if you're really good at that it's good odds that you're probably one of the only people that's doing it your way Right, it's like Lean you got H E B and you got Joe V's. Right, okay? you got to have exactly. Joe Vs, or you don't have H E B. It's it's exactly. Man. We're helping out, <laughs> doing our best, <laughs> doing our best. But you know, speaking about not having people who do that, like yeah, but, but y'all do. So one of the things that's interesting, one of the things that we ourselves, despite which we will be there soon, I have to go. Like next time I work on a Wednesday and I can stay out late on a Tuesday, I'm going to go. Oh yes, are you talking do, about? Horny I'm talking talk? about the Houston Horny Tonk Society. Please do. Right. So it's oh, like, dude. So you know, cool. while we have not been to one yet, we have we're, we're all very aware of how much we directly benefit from that. Anytime we play <laughs> the big top, because it suddenly people come out because they're like, dude, we came to that deal on Tuesday and that was great. And you know, we're not doing anything Friday. We'll roll over and we'll just hang out, see who's playing. Yeah. Because every course. time we roll in on a Tuesday, it's kick-ass. So we'll just go right. whenever. And if it sucks, we can always go next door and get tacos. That's <laughs> right. Or go get pizza since Home Slice is finally true. open. Right. You know? So you've got choices. But yeah, dude, that whole thing is amazing. Actually, I kind of credit Christopher Seymour for kind of pulling me back into all this stuff. Because after Blackgrass split up, you know, like, then the pandemic happens. And, like, I had kids and, like, just a lot of shit transpired from end of Blackgrass to beginning of my tenure with the Houston Horny Tonk Society and playing uh, it with Christopher Seymour as the Western Cosplay, which is, you know, I've, I've probably probably been doing that, well, I have been doing that the longest since I came back to music. And uh, it's insane, man. Like, we've been doing it for a year. Like, we did the uh, the 
you know, one year anniversary thing this past weekend. And um, it started off that we were just hammering this thing every Tuesday. Like we were there every Tuesday and the lineup finally worked out. I actually started off trying to play guitar for him. And I realized very quickly, you suck at country guitar licks, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Stick to what you and know. And it just happened that the, the, the bass player that Chris Christopher had picked out didn't really work out like he just you know phenomenal bass player just that wasn't his thing you know wasn't really in his wheelhouse and I was like my time to shine you know so put me in coach I'm ready yeah exactly put me in coach and uh dude it's it's just it's grown and grown and grown from there I mean now we're bringing in people from out of town and awesome. yeah y'all pulled in like some pretty killer people yeah we've had the golden roses up there yeah um this this past weekend we had chasing we had chasing wayne and the honky tonk machine out of austin which if you haven't seen those dudes man that is a hot ass band they are killer mm. we had tony hannah there from nashville this past weekend and and on tuesday but yeah i mean y'all have like i know like dylan earl that we know from, D- yeah dylan's been there twice um, who else like there's been a lot of people chris actually, acker like, yeah was, came came with uh dylan one night and uh david milner did y'all have him once i'd don't think we've had him yet. We're we're just we're trying to bring more and more people in. Like That's awesome, man. Y'all had Gus Clark Jr. there, huh? Yeah, we had Gus, yeah. Gus Clark there. So I mean, like a lot of people that when I'm like checking out the scene that are hot names, it's like, dude, well there they are. South Texas Tweak. I mean, yeah. he's he's done it a handful of times. He's like one of the guys like this base this whole thing was basically like him and Seymour, you know, coming up with an idea and a concept and putting it into action and like I'm just I'm really happy to be a part of it, you know. I just right. I I'm well, just the bass player, man. I just slap the bass. I've been sick on a Wednesday. Let's it's go. a great name though cuz I love the western cosplay. I like that is just brilliant. Like, well, I mean, you know, you can't take yourself too seriously all the fucking time, you know. Just right. No, cuz yeah. I mean, I call it uh you know, Chris and Kevin at Dan Electro's just doing like a little duo show that was really oh, the good. Sunday afternoon. Yeah, show. yeah, yeah. Uh, I had missed garden party. I missed yeah. that one. I was I was sick. Um, it was Easter Sunday, and mm. like, yeah, dude, that thing turned out to be really cool, and it ended. But I think there's talks of like coming back and doing like another month long residency there. Nice. Um, yeah, because I thought wasn't Dan Electro's going to have a horny tonk night coming up. Man, you know, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I think that might become a thing, but I, I can't really tell you. Yeah, I heard, you know. I saw, I thought I saw it come through on my feed, and I was like, that would be great, you know, because both venues have di- or different sides of town, kind of thing, and like we will know when all the details are worked out, you know, like right. there's, there's not a when you get the email, yeah, pretty much, <laughs> like all right, boys, time to go, you know, like we're doing this now, but sound check at six. Yeah, down beats at seven, guys. Let's do this. But yeah, it's it's really cool, man, and it's it's allowed a lot of musicians to network. And I think first hearing about all of it, that was kind of the idea. It was not. It was a thing for everybody to have a place to go and meet new musicians or reconnect with musicians that you've known in the past. And it's it's brought some really cool people out there. I mean, we've had nights where we get people to guest spot as musicians with us. Like uh, we had Johnny Falstaff's our you know, pretty, resident pretty much a, a resident guitar player now. <laughs> yeah, and Falstaff's a killer. It's friggin' cool to be playing with that dude, man. Another guy from Alvin. Like, mm-hmm. so. Well, I think I think it's good that you guys are kind of <laughs> filling that void left by the uh, Firehouse Saloon going away. Yeah. And that's where all those cats used to hang out. And also, what was it, uh, Blanco's? Like, all yes. those places. Yeah. You lost all that, you know, really great honky-tonk type places. And, and now you have a place. And at least, you know... I, 
Houston needs that. Oh, of course. You can't yeah. have like one of, of the course. world's biggest rodeos and not have good honky tonks right. in your town. Right. Like, it doesn't right. It doesn't track right. And plus, Midtown's one of those places where there's a concentration of people that don't go very far. Sure. Right. So like you sure. get in the middle of that, it's like, okay, these people are going to walk down, hop on the train or do whatever and be right there. Right. So it's a good place to kind of build something like that and say like, hey, we're out yeah. in this suburb and let's try to do this where it's like, yeah. Well, then you also have the people who are staying downtown because they're in town for some kind of work thing. Like we run into people all the time when we're out and about downtown oh, where like people are just, they, yeah. they walked in because they're in town for the weekend. We've had people stroll in there on Tuesdays. Like we've had people from Ireland come in. and. Very cool. We had a guy that was from Armenia in there the other night. And yeah. I mean, just You're people from other states. Over. And and I think Big Top, too, like the way that that entrance is set up, like you have those glass windows so you can kind of see what's going on on yeah. the stage. That whole place yeah. is like a fever dream. But okay? you can <laughs> hear it, too. And it yeah. sounds pretty damn good on the front porch. So the yeah. door guy doesn't hate being there on Tuesday nights because he's listening to decent music. You know, yeah. it's, it's well, awesome. That's the man. thing too is like one of the, one of the things like with places like Shoeshine, like you have to play to the room. You know, you don't have Absolutely, to bring dude. in a giant rig. Like you can Absolutely. bring small combos and be perfect in that room. And I think you know, it, especially a place like Shoeshine's, man, you can draw people in. Like, yeah. If but you you can't be you know just blaring because because if you walk in that door. And and it's blaring, you're walking right back out because it gets so loud. Oh, of course. You know, but yeah, if you get it dialed in, that room is a great room. Well, play. and you know, the symbiotic relationship with the bartender and the band too, right? Like, yeah. as long as that bartender can hear people's orders, then everything's good. Exactly. Because if she can't, then people aren't getting their drinks fast enough and you're not going to have a crowd at all, dude. Well, well that's like we said before. last time when we were talking about, you know, the last people we want to piss off at a venue is is the bar staff. Oh, yeah. Right. The people that have to be there. Yeah. Yes. Tip those people out. You know, but but it's also like you don't want to be obnoxious. You don't want to be playing too loud, all these things. Sure. Because they got to make their living. Yeah. You know? Well, that's also how you set up like a, especially if you're doing like a Tuesday residency there, you want the staff to like what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. And right. you want to of make course, their right? job easier for them. Exactly. So then it's like, cool, man, we're all working together to get, yeah. you're going to directly give me more tips. Right. You know, you're going to pull people in, you know, and it's like, we're going to help make sure those people come in and they're taken care of. Well, like the bartender at uh Jackson Pub when we played there. She, you know, you tried to tip her out. She goes, "No, we're both working together tonight." And I was like, "It doesn't matter. You brought me beers on stage." Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Like, I, I don't know if if that's just like a thing with musicians that underlying guilt of like, all right, I got to tip something. You know? Right. Oh yeah, I was I'm my the same deal with way, her. Man. When she tried to say no, I was like, "Look, man, like my mom ran a kitchen and shit like that. Like I grew up in this in hospitality. No, like you brought me beers while I didn't have to walk off stage once." Dude, my mom was a bartender for like 27 years. So, yeah, and some so. rough ass places. So, like, yeah, especially me. Like, you earn this. Right. Don't argue with me. Like, <laughs> you can take it or I'm going to stick it inside something. You'll find I'm going to hide later. it somewhere and you'll find it exactly. later. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my deal. I always make it. It's not a lot, but if whatever we make off a show, especially on tips and stuff, my standard practice 10% goes to bar staff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a wonderful practice to have, man. Like you gotta build a good rapport with those people, just as you have to build a good rapport with promoters and venues and it's it's like that it's a unit, man. Like Yeah, because everybody you make know, it work. I know we're both getting tips, but we also normally, you know, 
a proud at this point in our life, you know, fixing the tie. Like they were, <laughs> we're actually getting guarantees most of the time, and they're That's getting two fifteen an hour. Feeling, isn't it? Right. So it's like you're getting two fifteen an hour. So I want to make sure you get here's exactly. your take home money. Like at the end of the day, we're both in the service industry. Yeah, right? right. as a musician and bartender or a server or whatever the case may be. Excuse me. We're we're all in the service industry, right? We're just yep. providing a different service than they are. That's what's been cool about this. Like it's been a weird byproduct <laughs> of this podcast. We've been doing a lot of like, well, here's the way we handle things. Everyone's been coming and talking about stuff they do behind the scenes. Yeah. So it's kind of cool if you're like an upcoming musician, be like, oh, that's something I should do. Okay, I should oh, treat people. So I, sh- <laughs> so I should show up on time and be prepared and don't play really loud when the guy's doing the sound check. Right, I should got treat it. the venue <laughs> yeah. like shit. And it's not the coolest thing when I got to like 200 watt sun amps and run them at 10. Oh my that's probably God. that's probably right. not right. the best thing to do for the venue. Not everybody yes, wants anyone. to leave with a concussion or tinnitus. You know, like let's have a nice, relaxed evening in here. So, so what you're saying is I shouldn't be wailing a solo while the sound guy's trying to mic my amp. I'm not saying you shouldn't, <laughs> but I'm suggesting that you probably should not. Right. <laughs> suggestion. Yeah, I'm, you're I'm gonna reverb all take time. my advice and do as you please. <laughs> it's not something I would do. You know, you're getting you're getting delay echo all night long on everything you play. Right? Yeah, <laughs> in so the we, monitors too. So you start going like, can I have more? Like, if you are that guy, there's a really good chance that later on in the night when you're like, hey, can I get some more vocal in my monitor? He's gonna be like, and not touch the dials at <laughs> right. all. Not do shit for you. Just look busy. Yeah, you got it, dude. Yeah, you've got enough. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sir. Oh man. All right. So we went to the past. We went to the thing you know let's go back to the middle the middle yeah <laughs> ah, the good stuff the good stuff right the gooey center well you know man for y'all again you know coming out of alvin like this yeah while you know being a part of i guess the houston metroplex not a big town no. not and at all man not at all, not at all. you know I is mean, the home of nolan ryan that's it important. is it is it's kind of a big worked deal there for five years it's a really? big yeah it's a big deal but it's not a big town they it's, also have I a bank it, that though. has a alligator in the middle of it uh, but it's they a used small to town. and didn't they also I have the casa a too, the buffet so was that alvin they did have a buffet casa ole so i mean that was huge we had a casa ole buffet and then for a little while there was a place in the middle of town that was called the homestead inn and it was like a home style buffet it was like a golden corral but everything was cooked and how like it didn't come out of bags and stuff it was really cool and uh still there's a place in alma called parks restaurant where you can go and get like chicken fried steak and white gravy and you know like heck yeah i've been there meat and taters kind of stuff off that buffet and it's still pretty good man but, Everybody uh, I know lives out that way, loves the Joe's Barbecue. Is that still open? Joe's is still there. I, I mean, I haven't eaten there in years, man, but the food used to be great. It yeah. used to be awesome. And uh, you I know, just like that everything took like five minutes to get to. If I left for lunch yeah. at work, I, it was not, I didn't have to wait 20 minutes to get a table somewhere. No, dude, that's the great part about Alvin, dude. It's... Yeah. Yeah. And so then out of the nice. small little town comes, comes Blackgrass <laughs> Gospel. Dude. Who's played, you know, went all over the place, you know, Muddy Roots did all that, you know, y'all did a bunch of kick-ass stuff. And you'd be surprised, like, how many really badass musicians there are in a small town like that. I mean... Well, you guys had them all in one band, I think, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's like a traveling ska band. Well, I mean, like, once again, we were good at what we did. You know, we found a formula and... We, we found a formula that we liked. We perfected our formula the way that we wanted it to be, and then we put it out there, and we just got really lucky that a bunch of people decided that, hey, this is pretty cool. 
you know, even in Alvin, where that kind of music's probably not going to do very good there, you know, but for some reason, they just kept booking us in these little bars and stuff, and uh, dude, it, it just... It went from, and, and the crazy thing about Blackgrass Gospel is that none of us really, so Randall played banjo previously, right? But he had stepped away from it forever. And like, we met Howl at an open mic that I used to have at a bar in Alvin called The Hourglass. And The Hourglass is like the traditional honky tonk, mm. you know, low drop ceilings. Like you can still smoke cigarettes in there. <laughs> There's a vinyl tile dance floor carpet that's been there from probably since probably like the early 60s. <laughs> it's just like it nice. is a through and through honky tonk. Oh. Like one of the only bars in Alvin that serves liquor i mean now that they have you know, the restaurant rule passed and and whatnot like obviously more restaurants are selling liquor but before that this is one of the only places that you could get liquor and it's because they did a membership so yeah. like you come in and you hand them your id and you pay a dollar and that's your membership for the year and you can get shit faced on all the liquor that you can hold and drinks are cheap and but <laughs> You know, the clientele there were these these are regulars that have been drinking there for like 30, 40 years, and they're not really receptive to new stuff. And my mom was the bartender there, and she was like, hey, what if we like gave you an open mic? And I'm like, mm, uh, well, I guess we'll see how it goes. And dude, it was weird. Like, it was an anything goes type <laughs> of situation, and we did it for like five years. And the first like three or four, you know, it was really thin. And then on like four and five this old dude that used to drink in there he was one of the regulars and he was just tough cowboy you know like he kind of looked like johnny paycheck's ghost you oh, know <laughs> he had like the high crown cowboy hat and long white stringy hair and his name was glenn mccullough man i, I i'll never forget this guy and <laughs> this this is his nickname dude I'm, I'm not kidding you his nickname was kotex Okay, because everybody said that he just like make your ass raw because he had such a bad attitude, you know. Oh. And, and he like he was dyed in the wool. Like, there's only two types of music: boa, country, western, you know. And like we're playing like funk tunes and shit, and just a bunch of weird stuff. And he becomes a regular at this open mic. Just this pissed off cowboy man, that same scowl on his face. But every now and then, like you'd get a half ass smile out of him. Like, all right, this is kind of cool. And uh, that's that's how black grass was conceived you know we had a dude there's so many lineup changes and the history of that band is is kind of crazy but in a nutshell that's where it all started i got an upright bass and i was kind of figuring out how to play it and randall got back on the banjo and was like slowly coming back to it and then we meet hal and he starts bringing his guitar and then dude we we got lucky enough that we finally cemented the lineup and it was randall on banjo how long guitar myself on upright and then uh this another kid that i met like and when i say kid he was the youngest one in the band he was like 19 when he joined the band i met him uh doing like a little gig for tips with a buddy of mine and alvin he wanted to play drums and we were like yeah come on up dude and uh, then we got jimmy james copeland to play mandolin for us which was a friggin treat like if yeah. you know that guy i mean I, joel talked about him yeah you know and he's one of the best guitar players that i know and the the dude is just he's good at everything he's like one of those savant kind of guys like yeah i can play that and like dude but i've never seen you do it and he's like oh give me a couple weeks and comes back with a dobro and he's like hey check this shit out you know yeah <laughs> dude i hate you, you fuck know? that guy yeah i hate you man that's what sam and i always say when we think somebody's really good and they have way too much talent for their tiny little body fuck that guy yeah like <sighs> it's not fair no it's <laughs> 
Like, just there's so much shit that I want to do. I'm the type of person that gets really bored. Like, I want to play this instrument. I want to play this instrument. I want to play this this instrument. And after playing upright bass or getting my hands on one and kind of figuring it out, I, ha- I kind of developed this attitude. Of like, well, if I can just get my hands on it, I'll be good at it. That is not the case. I <laughs> promise you. Promise you that is not the case. You not mean it just doesn't magically like... happen? Yeah, it, it doesn't just it doesn't just happen. Well, that's some like, crap. There's this thing called work, apparently, and like Ooh. you have to commit sounds, to it. And sounds hard. Yeah, play for hours. Yeah, yeah it's really you know just with my son trying to learn all that stuff on upright. It was just a while. So we had some friends who had a band that you know I think we played with y'all with the Gallows Band. Yeah, and they were like, hey man, we come through a couple of times. Jump man. up on stage with us and do this song with Ian. It was like so he's just like do do. Dude, I'm like, that's not how it goes. Listen to the recording, and he was like, "Oh man, oh man." So it he was worked. like for he like like for a month. Do, 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 do. And I'm like, there you go. Yeah, man. Yeah. Got to do the bow part, then throw the bow down, and do 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 do, do. or set the bow on fire, whatever. <laughs> Dude, that was cool. It's really cool to see y'all running around in that circuit now, kind of too. Like, I heard you talk about Gallows Bound. I'm like, dude, I haven't like haven't seen those people in a while. You know, like we. Yeah, they were a casualty to the to the pandemic. Ah, damn it! It was like, man, we got home. We enjoyed being around family and friends, and yeah, we're not. Turns out, yeah, yeah. Turns Jordan out I like yeah. my life. <laughs> Jordan's still playing. She's yeah, doing a bunch of solo there. stuff, but everybody else was just kind of like. But whiskey man, dick's still kicking, you know. Like, I know, man. I love those dudes, man. And a lot of those people just, you know. But even same thing. Urban pioneers have kind of slowed down. They have the baby. Well, and they they do a few things here and there. I saw them do something a few weeks ago. I'm still in touch with Jared, like on Instagram. Yeah, and the dude. They're the last people that stayed at my house before I became a dad. Like the day that they left, like they were leaving. My wife's like, you know, 14 months pregnant. Right. (laughs) And they're like walking out the door and Jared's like, all right, man, it was good to see y'all. Like, bye. And he's like, I don't really know what to say to somebody's about to have a baby, like break a leg or something. (laughs) Good luck. And she went into labor that night, man. Oh, Oh, wow. That is wild. Wait, is this the child whose uh, gender reveal party ended up on the news? No, not that one. That was the second one. That was the second one. You can tell us about that if you'd like. (laughs) Wow, you were on the news? He was yeah, on the news. we were. We were. Like, you know, being from Alvin, big time redneck. Um, my my wife was like, well, what are we going to do for the gender reveal? And I was like, let's blow something up. And uh, <laughs> so we left it up to my uncle. And he went and got like two pounds of Tannerite and a bunch of blue powder. And yeah, went out to the family property out in Alvin. There's like 40 acres out there. And uh he set up the target and I shot it with a 243 and it went off and we were like, yeah, you know, everybody's laughing and stuff. To us, it wasn't that loud. I don't know if it's just because, you know, it's triggered by pressure and velocity of the, of the round. So the explosion goes out, right? and doesn't come back towards you or at least it's not supposed to. And we're all eating cupcakes and having a good time. And then like three Brazoria County Sheriff cars roll into the driveway. I'm like, what's going on here? We're having cupcakes. (laughs) Here's the thing. The first officer to step out of the car, it was a lady deputy and she steps out. And I'm not kidding you before her second, before her second foot hits the ground. She's like, was that Tannerite? And my aunt was like, yeah, we're having a boy. And dude, she had made like two steps up the driveway. She goes, congratulations and turns around and jumps in her car and they all just take off. man. 
But yeah, it ended up on the news, and uh, it, wow. I, it got around a little bit. So yeah, that, that was a cool thing. <laughs> that was a pretty Dude, cool thing. I was sitting at home, and I, it comes on the, on the news, and I was like, I know someone that just had a gender reveal. There's no way. And then Chad calls me from the Grizzly Band. He's like, Dude, Barnes is on the news. Yeah, we were. <laughs> well, man, like the first person they interviewed, and you know, like you go, like you go back to like whenever there's a tornado yeah. in like Alabama or something. You know, the first place they're gonna go is the trailer the park. park, and the first person on the news you know the, the reporter's like oh they heard the explosion it came from this way or that way and blah 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 and such and such is on the scene reporting right now and the first person's like we thought it was a meth lab exploding because <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens around here because that's what goes down in alvin huh pretty much yeah <laughs> so good oh, that was great oh my goodness well. <laughs> you know get we gotta be on the news yeah that's right. We blew it up. Just like we blow up clubs in my band. <laughs> Black Grass <Grand> Gospel. <laughs> Shameless self-promotion here, yeah. Man, I should have worked that angle. You should have, man. Well, they didn't even talk to us. They talked to my aunt where, where it happened. and uh, Should have given her a Black Grass Gospel t-shirt. <laughs> my nephew's in this band, Black Grass Gospel. Yeah. And we had them always mention the band, You should Mom. check them out on Spotify. Like, yeah. Oh, man. And I'm the worst. Anytime we've done interviews with anybody, it's always like, how many names can I drop of friends' bands? So we were doing this this band. And then nine times out of ten, they go in and edit out, like, half of them it's like damn yeah i tried man i, tried. I try to do that too like i try to pass on as much as i can about you know like oh yeah well this is going on here saturday night and you should go check these people out or like just give them a listen and whatnot and you know like half of that goes in one ear and out the other oh, but yeah. right. for what sticks like it's it's worth it to to put your friends out there and like try like you know you don't want to be the guy that steers every conversation in that way like oh yeah your kid is is in band well i'm in a band too you know like (laughs) i see you like gospel music i have a band that has gospel so happens i was in a band that had gospel in the name right we're playing this tuesday my new band's playing this tuesday (laughs) there's always that guy who comes to who comes to parties who's like the only reason he came to the party was to tell you about his next show right yeah right dude and if you don't know who that guy is you probably are that guy yeah i normally don't like even it's weird my current job because everybody's like what's this happening it's like nothing that's the same for me like i have my you know colleagues and students ask me like you don't want it my band's garbage you don't want to listen to us no don't waste your time like mr h i listen to your music it's really good you should you should be famous no kid i love what i do right now i'm happy here really <laughs> I love Tommy Lewis talking about things like every semester because he teaches every year. Like my streaming numbers jump in September because every kid's like, Mr. <laughs> Lewis great. has a band. Yep. Yeah. We should check him out. He's like, yeah, kid, Johnny, just listen to the shit That's out of that. That's the secret. I should have became a teacher. That's all you It's a captive audience, man. Yeah. I control the ops board. <laughs> Kids, go follow the, you know. So for your homework, you need to go on Spotify. and (laughs) Screenshot. I want a screenshot that you did it. (laughs) You are following us. And you get five of your friends. Like, you know those fundraisers? It's on my syllabus as a QR code and everything. (laughs) Yeah, I'll make it easy for you, kids. It's real simple. Just scan this code. Easy first 100. Yeah. So this is, you're joking, but no, this... This happens. Wow. This is a brilliant idea. This is really happening. It's I don't think you can get away with that in high. You can get away with that in a college course. I don't know about high Probably school. Probably not kids. high school. I know I can't get away with it at work. Like people are like, "Well, can you email me?" I'm like, "Not for my work email." Like, yeah, can't. you can. <laughs> no, I can't. Dude, what's the state gonna do? Really? <laughs> no, <I can't. laughs> 
<laughs> the famous last but words, but also buddy. customers. Right. Well, what's the state going to do? Like, really, customers I mean, want me to email them, and I'm like, no, I can't. Our AG's calling people and telling them he's going to like kill their family if they wait, try to impeach him. Wait, what AG? He's been suspended. Well, our, but he's still currently our AG's. Thing. Nope. Uh, someone, Mr. Helms, is now our. But I'm saying he's been calling interim, people like. Interim. You don't know me, but I know where you live. Yeah, well, you know, you that's, know. when you're drunk, you do shit like that. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. it's like, hey, I think Ken. that's part of the reason he's been suspended. So. Is this you, Ken? Because your number, your name came up with. No, it's not Ken. It's Pen Caxton, <laughs> right? I'm a I kill Ken Jackson. Right. I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> they don't send those guys to jail. You know who goes to jail? People who work in the bottom of the food chain where yeah, I work. Right. No, they only have one Fuck person that. doing your job that's a job of 20 people, so you're fine. They're not going to mess with you. Yeah, they, they can't let you go yet. It should be in your, like, Kim Barker with your whole little picture thing you use and right below it. Follow my bandit. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's just in a, your uh, just uh, QR code. Yeah, yeah, that's, I will be say, like, my, your, my little icon on signature. Teams uh-huh. is actually our band photo. Like. That's cool. <laughs> that's okay. That's really. It's cool. probably the one where Kim's in focus and we're not. It is. Where you focus, where guys. you dudes are in the background, exactly. <laughs> Yep. Her Gwen Stefani picture, where it's like the rest of the band's blurred out. <laughs> All right, good. So we're, we're at the Gwen Stefani evolution at this point. That's good. At least we're still in the band. Right. Once she gets to the Taylor Swift full on evolution, we're done. What's the deal with Taylor so Swift whatever. coming up in the like so much, man? Uh, it's like an Easter egg that I try to yeah, put in. Every I know. We're, we're, every like, we're fixing to start editing it you know, out. Like, what's uh-huh. what's with the Tay Tay love, man? <laughs> There's none. I mean, if that's your thing, I'm cool. There was with just it, a but, little like, bit of it in the beginning of her career. Health around Slightly. the children so that's all he hears about yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair that's true man. you that's are exposed like overexposed yeah. to pop music all the I little like 12 year olds yeah. he's so deep if you understand <laughs> no dude true story this happened the other day I had a girl she's 40 and she's still bitching about like right like cool. how so, many breakup songs can you write man this student like she went to the concert and stuff Good and answer. was all excited about it and uh, I was like that's cool man she was yeah you know it's just so cool to see someone from Tennessee become famous like whoa 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 I was like she's from Pennsylvania no she's not it's like I know this is gonna blow your mind. Yeah, she's like, Mr. H, she's from Tennessee. I was like, no, no. And so I like, on the jumbotron in my classroom, I'm like, <laughs> Pulling Wikipedia, up the Wikipedia, here we go. <laughs> and dude, her mind, I actually saw her mind explode when she read that and it like changed her world. I was like, look, it's not a bad thing. I was like, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. People can move anywhere they want. Right. And everyone moves to Tennessee to become famous. It's where you go. You go to Nashville to become famous. Believe it or not, guys. Exactly. There was a time before Taylor Swift where a whole bunch of people moved to Nashville to become famous. True. It was kind of a mass uh, pilgrimage there. It's so cool to see somebody from Nashville become famous like well have <laughs> just, i got something to show you right. you're not gonna believe this well that's like that's the funny thing now is like people that get famous from nashville aren't even from nashville oh right. no that's the funniest not. thing right. how, how it changes keith urban good example of that. oh my god like and, and <laughs> like, wow many, he's got a really thick accent for somebody from nashville <laughs> right. like man that's how they sound why the does mountains? he sound irish like he's wait a so minute weird no, he, he's from Australia, actually. Yeah, guys. Well, no, he's not. He's from Nashville. He's a Nashville artist. That means he's from Nashville. Yeah, he, he crawled right out of the holler barefoot <laughs> with a banjo, and now he's a gazillionaire. Right out of the you know? holler. I saw that. What? <laughs> you. oh, you're funny. Your face is funny. <laughs> Boom. What up? That no, I'm sorry. Mean. I just about lost it. With <laughs> I had stepped out of the room. But <laughs> the Keith Urban thick accent about killed me. <laughs> That's one second where the stream just went. Tsh. 
<laughs> Peace Bro, out of the right. I hope you're cutting this part out. Oh my goodness. Why, why would I? These are the best parts of the podcast. It's not. These are the outtakes. <laughs> These are the parts that people ask me about later. Right. <laughs> You're student. But every dude who's listening understood exactly what I was talking about. Yes. You're peeing and someone makes you laugh and it's just like <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the stream like it's like double pressure for a second. It goes from I'm water sure hose to fire hose for like a split understood. second, you know? We all have urethras. <laughs> we may have urethras? No. I'm just <laughs> Is it the man in the boat? <laughs> it's the magical third hole. Jesus. <laughs> 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 This gets cut out, please. Pause for editing. <laughs> All right. Right where everyone and we're back. Every time I say that we're gonna we're gonna edit this out, I like leave it in. <laughs> and you even leave the part where you say you we're gonna edit right. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're gonna, gonna cut part. this later. Right. Yeah, we'll probably edit this out. That's like. Here, here it goes. And here yeah, it is. It's very, we're all very professional here. So if you yeah. say something you're uncomfortable with, you specifically ask Sam to take it out, he will. <laughs> but I need it in writing, though. <laughs> I do Otherwise. do that. Yeah, you do. So do-do. Yeah. If people you actually say, say that. do-do. I do do that. <laughs> Damn it. Do-do. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist it. I'm a child at heart. It's all right. We and all in are. mind as well. So That's probably the whole deal with most of the whole music community. Everybody still kind of has this moment of childishness. Oh, yeah. But we're also mature enough to show up to the venues at town time and make things happen. Exactly. Yeah. But you call that childlike wonderment. It's a fine balance. It is a very fine Very balance. fine. It's it's a very thin line. Very thin line. We're all adulting, though. Look at us. <clears throat> yeah. So now, now you were in a band where you got to fly a lot. Kinda. Yeah, that, that was... <laughs> if you I mean, to fly. Like, that was pretty awesome. Like I said, optics are everything. True. So... You know, at the same time I was doing Blackgrass, I was playing upright bass for a band called Johnny Hoot Rock. And Johnny Hoot Rock was based out of Austin. And the story about how I ended up playing for those guys, this is kind of a crazy thing, but I was at an event, a private event with another band, like pretty much the open mic guys from the thing in Alvin at a bar called The Hourglass which hopefully I can start getting some bands in there again because it's a really cool place. Like, the vibe's right. Clientele's a little sketchy sometimes, but the vibe's right. And, uh, yeah, we we got invited to play this Booze Fighters event, which, if you don't know who the Booze Fighters are, it's a motorcycle club. like The oldest motorcycle club in America. Absolutely. And um, they're, they're not a 1% club, but they're really cool. They like to hang out and have a good time. And they booked us, and we went out, and Johnny Hoot Rock showed up, and their bass player couldn't make it. And I just so happened to have an upright bass with me and it was you know i'm still kind of in the beginning stages of learning how to play and the dude that was singing for this band i'm in he's like hey i went and talk to those guys you're gonna play upright bass for them and i was what like the fuck? what and he was like yeah they they said it's cool and i'm like oh i didn't ask man and you know oh a little God. time goes by and i'm like i'm thinking all right i can i can squeeze out of this and then the drummer walks up and he's like you're gonna play upright bass for us right and i was like sure and then <laughs> Dude, it's like a minute until they're supposed to go on stage, and he's like, get your shit on the stage right now, dude. You're doing this. And I'm like, fuck. So get up there, and they're just kind of giving me keys, and you know, he's like, okay, well, this song, you know, like, this is a 145, key E for Elvis, and do it. And they're like, all right, cool. You know, kind of hold it down, and probably like two or three years go by. I was kind of floating around, because I, I played music like five years full-time. That was all I did, you know, yeah. before I found out that I had a kid on the way. And it was this dude that I kind of did some stuff with, and it was kind of starting to pick up. And we had a gig booked, and he kind of cut our throats so he could go do his own thing and, like, make all the money. And cool, no big deal, but, like, let me know. Like, 
you know, right. telling the truth. Because I call you on the day of, and he's like, oh, yeah, man, sorry, I'm in Galveston. I got a thing, and I'm like, uh, whatever. So I get pissed off, right? And I'm like... I got to prove a point to this this dude. Like, So I email Wayne Hancock because I hear that Wayne Hancock is looking for a bass player. And <laughs> it turns out he's like, man, you know, really sorry, but we've already got somebody else doing it. So I reach out to them because I found out that they're looking for a bass player. And they're like, yeah, dude, if, if you want to come to practice, like drive to Pflugerville from Alvin on this day. And okay, get in the car, drive to Pflugerville, do the practice and everything. And we're kind of BSing. He's like, man, you know, it's been a while since we've seen you. Our, our, our last bass player, Jimmy Duvall, like uh he just uh yeah he just he just quit man he he went to play bass for wayne hancock (laughs) (laughs) what so i'm like one step behind this dude you know and uh but again it's a small number of people play that instrument right 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 but yeah man i i stuck it out with him for like five years and it was cool being able to play with those guys because previous to that like i'd, I'd kind of run into them a little bit here and there in different places when i was playing with the ghost stories and uh they usually had a go-go dancer with them and it was kind of like cramps meets reverend horton heat meets like the sonics meets kiss at times just nice but I I didn't realize it until after I'd been playing with them for like three or four months. Like these are two of the founding members of the fr- the Flame Trick Subs. Oh wow! Austin. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, whoa, shit, you know. And uh, so Johnny Cat, the drummer, he played standing up, which was cool to me. You know, I'd seen it in the psychobilly and rockabilly world and our drummer actually did that for a while with ghost stories but we would go and play somewhere in like austin or whatever and i'd crash at johnny's or clem's and i'd get to hear all these cool stories about like yeah man like playing the black cat lounge back in the day with the flame trick subs and yada 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 and then like you hang out with johnny who's a little bit older than clem which was our guitarist and our vocalist and he'd be like yeah dude i you know i used to play with the crayolas back in the day you know the like alejandro escovedo and all those guys and like he did i think like the first two ezra charles records he was the drummer damn damn yeah dude he did all kinds of crazy stuff and uh clem that guy i can't say enough good things about that dude man phenomenal guitar player just all around good guy biggest goofball you'll ever meet like fart jokes are the funniest thing to this dude he's like (laughs) you know dude's like twice as old as me and he rips one and he's like like never fails every time he does it he laughs i'm like yeah perfect perfect group of guys for me to be involved with right so do a lot of stuff around austin and then he like sometimes he would call me and be like hey man uh you think you can be in san angelo saturday and i'm like what he's like yeah you know san angelo we're gonna play the dead horse and i'm hold on a second and then i gps it i'm like six seven hours okay yeah i'll be there seven hours there seven hours back you're on stage for like an hour and a half you know and then um he's like dude we got this thing coming up and it's gonna pay really good it's at the moody theater and i'm like cool you know not thinking in the back of my head like wait a minute moody theater that's austin city limits and turns out it was an Austin City Limits event we got to do. So I don't know if you guys do the pub trivia thing or not, but it was the Geek Bowl. It was like the big, the end of year thing for uh, oh, nice. the yeah, pub, tri- drink, Geek yeah. Bowl yeah. pub trivia. And we were the headlining act. Had no idea, man. Like walk into this giant venue and like everything starts to set in. I'm like, whoa. And we get on stage and it's this huge stage and we're this three-piece rockabilly band. <laughs> like, so I'm way over here and Clem's way over here and Johnny's like way in the back and we're having to like yell at each other across the stage like okay here comes the turnaround you know like just (laughs) but 
Yeah, and then uh, fast forward from there, where he's like, "Hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm trying to like go see my mom and my brother and stuff in Norway, and I'm booking a tour. Can you do it?" And I had no idea how I was gonna do it, but I was like, "Yes, I can do this." And uh, I had some friends that I had a a friend in particular that had a bunch of airline miles. He's like, "Dude, these are about to expire. You're fucking doing this, man!" Like. I'm going to help you out. Oh, that's rad, yeah. Yeah, and uh, went over there for two weeks, toured with an amazing band. They're called Helderado. If you've never heard of them, check them out. Like, real spaghetti western. Like, they wrote one of the best murder ballads I've ever heard, man. And, like, nobody... Like, if you go online and, like, Google Norway's Got Talent, like, one of their songs is, like, one of the top picks for a lot of the people that compete in that thing, which, not condoning those type of shows, obviously, but... Yeah. And um, I also met David Vincent through them, which is another weird little blip on my radar. You know, like, going back to how I was really into metal and stuff when I was younger, Morbid Angel was a huge influence on a lot of, like, the guitar riffs and bass stuff that I started working on early in my bass career and it was one of those random text messages because i was just at everybody's beck and call at any time it was like first come first serve you know if you get to me first i'll do your gig and i get any i get a text from clem the guy from johnny hoot rock like hey can you do this private thing for south by like it's it's not gonna pay very good but it's gonna be really cool and we you know it's open bar free drinks and stuff like yeah i'm I'm down for down for whatever at this point right so we show up and i'm like loading in and it's upstairs and it's a big private event with a bunch of sponsorship and stuff like that like uh, soft layer technologies was filming a bunch of stuff for us and and um i get up there and i'm like humping gear in and this guy meets me at the top of the stairs and he's like hey man uh you just need your instrument like everything else is taken care of david's got it all under control and i was like david who you know like kind of being a smart ass and he's like oh david vincent and i'm like oh cool where is he like i need to find out where i can put my stuff and he's like oh he's over there that's is he's the uh you know the lead singer of morbid angel he's the former lead singer of morbid angel I'm like oh cool so do the gig and i find out later he was kind of shopping for guys to put his country band together and he came and saw us play at cowboy harley davidson in austin probably two weeks after that and if you like if you could meet the guy he's got like that deep kind of junior brown bassy kind of voice and he's like hey brother you, I've you heard get a second. angel so yeah it's yeah. like <laughs> you know he's yeah. like when you get a second man come talk to me I, I need to talk to you about some stuff and like okay you know like one of my heroes yeah. is yes mr David okay cool yeah absolutely <laughs> You know, and like I walk over and he shakes my hand and he's like, man, I think you're a really good bass player. I want you to play bass for me. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, sure. And gives me his card and whatever and kind of gives me the rundown on what his schedule looks like. And he's like, I'm going to be a Nam, And then after that, I got some practice and I'm going to go to Europe and then we're going to like shoot some music videos and stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. And this long period of time goes by. We emailed two or three times no contact other than that right i've got the dude's number he's got mine so i'm like man is this really gonna happen and uh just so happened i was also working for school of rock at the same time in uh, clear lake they were like hey man we got some spots do you want to go to nam it's like 2016 like hell yeah i want to go to nam you know like that's every musician's dream and yeah okay well if you can get get there you know here's your credentials jimmy james also happened to be at nam and jimmy james worked for gibson so i text him and i'm like hey dude i'm coming to nam and he's like cool let me know when you get here you know and i get there and i'm in this line that's like four miles long dude and i text him i'm like hey i'm here and he's like where you at and i'm like all the way at the back 
And I look, and about five minutes later, I see him and like three dudes, like security looking guys. And he walks to the back of the line and he hands me a VIP Gibson laminate. And I just like laugh and start walking past all these people. And they're all, oh, you know, like the, <laughs> the, the, the harumph in unison. Right. Studio 54 type accent. And dude, it's probably been like a year and a half since we've talked, you know. And I get in there and I'm hanging out at the Dean booth. I run into Doyle from the Misfits and like shake his hand and we talk for a little bit. And I walk out and there's David and he's like, "You ready?" "What?" And he's like, "That music video, we're we're doing it on this day." And he like gives me the like show up to this place on this day and it's going to be about a month. And same deal. We don't talk for a while. I'm like, "All right, fuck it." I got all my stuff in the car and I show up, dude, and when I get there, there's guys loading cameras in and stuff. I guess we're shooting Seems a music legit. video. <laughs> So we did two. Uh, we shot two music videos, and um, he had Danny B. Harvey as his lead guitar player, which is another like just powerhouse musician. Man, he's done. He's played with Wanda Jackson and Nancy Sinatra, and just crazy accolades, dude. He he was one of the members of Headcat, so he played with Lemmy and Slim Jim Phantom for God knows how long, up until Lemmy died. Dude, that's know? crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and here I am, dude, just little weird dude from Alvin. I'm like, holy shit, this is really happening. Initially. Tom Lewis was our drummer from the guy from Hay Bale, you know, yeah. Red Volkert and all those guys. And I don't know what happened. I guess Tom just like either was way too busy or just could not be bothered. And if you watch that video, like if you find the video on YouTube, like I'll give you the address. You can see it in his face. Like when we're shooting it, he's just like, Meh. you know, <laughs> but Tom quit. And uh, David was like, Hey man, you know, any drummers? And I'm like, yeah, actually, and uh, the first person that came to mind was my buddy Matt Reed, and I've known Matt forever, man. He was like one of the guys I used to jam with in high school, and Matt played drums for Blood of an Outlaw, which is, you know, Clear Lake, big-time metal guy, but his dad is a pretty accomplished honky-tonk player, western swing player. His grandfather was a phenomenal pedal steel player as well, and I don't think Matt really talked about it much, but him and his dad were Tony part of Tony Booth's band for like 20 years man and tony booth wrote some hits like the game yeah. in the mailbox and stuff like yeah. that so i called matt and uh, or i texted him and asked him if he was free to do some country stuff and he was like yeah man who's it with and i was like oh it's guy from morbid angel he's like what <laughs> and uh yeah i sent david some videos of matt playing like metal stuff and country stuff and he's like yeah he's good so it ended up being two dudes from alvin that grew up playing together in high school and shit playing with danny b harvey and one of the most prolific dudes in american death metal right you know? yeah but that's it true. became a casualty of the pandemic, too. I mean, David does a lot of... I mean, obviously, he's still active in the metal community, so I think it kind of had to get put on hold once everything broke loose with the pandemic because he had so much stuff lined up, like his new band, Ultimus, which is insane. It's it's a metal supergroup for all intents and purposes. It's him, it's Flo Mornier from Cryptopsy on drums, and it's Rooney Erickson from Mayhem on guitar. Oh, wow. And uh, they had all this stuff lined up, and it just went away. So that's your bread and butter, man. You got to chase it. Damn. Yeah, no kidding. But dude's he's he's an awesome, awesome person. Fun to be around, fun to hang out with, excellent conversationalist. Danny is as well. Dude can drink with the best of them. I just <laughs> fun to be around. And uh, David was kind of the guy that started to steer me more towards playing like country licks and stuff like that on the bass, you know. So it's it's been a it's been a wild kind of past ten years, man. I've done a lot of stuff in a very short period of time. That's kind of led me to where I'm at now, sitting here on your couch. 
Cool, man. Sounds like you had fun. Yeah. yeah tons <laughs> of fun, man. Tons of fun. But, I, I mean, I think where I'm at now, I'm playing with some of the best musicians that I've ever played with, and it's a treat. Like, play, being able to play with Spokes, dude, that's like, holy shit. You get up there, and Gus is, like, putting his, his monitors in his ears, and you look down, and he's like, you know, he has a click track on the on hell his yeah. phone, and I'm like, hell yeah, man. We're about to do this. And Josh Artel, or Artel, actually. Say it right. Yeah. It's Italian. <laughs> damn it dude like he's he plays piano like he'll play a wicked piano line on one song and then he picks up the guitar and just shreds guitar and then goes back to piano and he's singing background vocals it's or harmony vocals not yeah. even background vocals like because you know it's not a punk band that was kim's fuck that guy, that guy. moment when she heard he the is harmony so good dude he is so fucking good at everything he puts his hands on he's just like yeah i can play a little bit of lap steel and this that and then like you actually hear him play stuff on the lap steel and you're like what the fuck dude it's not just a little bit yeah. of stuff on the lap too well, one, one thing you said real quick i have to go back to because i was early in my relationship with kim and singing i explained to her that where he said background vocals he goes well harmony it's not a punk band and i was like yeah it's like i grew up gang vocals yes and it yes. was like and kim was like what is no that? no you sing this i'm like no it's where like all four dudes in the band sing the same exact thing but we're all off key enough that it just makes this nice wall of sound all those little frequencies just kind of rub together and it all hits you in the face <laughs> yeah where you were like harmonies i was like yeah so that's how i explained it. yeah well, dude with black grass people used to say that all the time like man your harmony vocals sound great and i'm like dude what harmonies like there are no harmonies in this band. Everybody just screams as loud as we can, you know. The one dude's a perfect third off key when he sings. Right, it's, like, right. it's, just it's, like, it's like just off key in the right spot, man. Right. It's jazz now, guys. <laughs> yeah, that, that was like the fun thing with with, with the Grizzly band. Like they always did like gang vocals, and then my goofy butt comes in from the countryside of things, and I'm like, well, you know, you can do like harmonies. And Chad's like, I don't do that. I was like, no, you don't have to do that. I can do that. And so that's when all of a sudden it was like, oh, we can do this. Yeah, I always yeah. thought he was such a good vocalist, though, man. Like, he is. He I've really... heard him like trash himself so much. I'm like, oh, dude, dude, him and I, you're a phenomenal musician, dude. We you're had a good a... songwriter. You're really good vocalist. Like, shut up, dude, man. Like, be good, damn yeah. it. Well, it, right. it, was, it was just funny. be good. The other night we were at a show and he showed up and came out and hung out for a while. And it was good to, good to catch up with him. But he, it was funny because I didn't know this, but he he'd got a, with, together with some guys to play some punk rock, right? And he was telling me, he might be pissed. I'm telling this story, but it's okay. But anyway, he was, you know, he's like had this idea, so he goes to meet these guys to, to practice and. And he starts playing this thing, and you know he, he was like, "I'm gonna play punk rock, I'll go back to my roots kind of thing." And they're like, "All right, so now can we do it like Grizzly?" And he's like, "What? No!" <laughs> he's like, "I came here to do something totally different." And he was like, "He said he made about two and a half practices before he's like, I, I can't do this anymore." <laughs> he's like, "I wanted to do something totally different." And he goes, "And these guys are great guys, and they were awesome musicians." He goes, "But they wanted to do Grizzly 2.0." And he's like, "If I was gonna do Grizzly, I'd do it with, with Grizzly." <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. But yeah, no, it was good to hear him that he's really, really trying to do music again. I'm glad to hear that too, man. Yeah. Chad is one of those guys that I feel like needs to be doing music. Yes, like, agreed. He's, he's so fucking good at it, dude. Like, and it seems so effortless when he does it too. I know it makes you mad. He's a good front man. Like, yes. Except he whines a lot. <laughs> And then it's like, but it's like you said, emphasizing. It's like, he's a good front man. Well, that's, that's what's great about it. It's like the 
I don't feel good tonight. I apologize. I'm this. It's like you sound fine. Right, you, you sound, sound great, great. <laughs> asshole. Yeah, you sound fine. Drink a cup of tea, dude. You're gonna be okay. It's like you sound great. It's like man, just this. <laughs> man, I, I think that's just our cross to bear as musicians, though. Like I'm super, super critical of myself, and I'm super hard on myself. Like you know, I I listened to this thing the other day. It was a musician speaking as a musician, like talking about when you make mistakes live, right? He's like, okay, there's basically like three levels of mistake that you make as a musician. There's the first one where you notice it, but nobody else notices it. And then there's the one that you make where you notice it and the band notices it. And then there's number three, which is the worst one where everybody notices it. And like 90% of your mistakes are going to be a one or a two. Yeah. And like 10% of them maybe are going to be a three. So don't get so hung up on that shit because... Baseball statistics. Well, it's, it's doing really yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even when I, back when I worked like press photography when I was younger as a dude who played in bands and stuff, you would be able to tell when people made mistakes. Like you can go to a, you can go see like seriously anyone listening you can go see like the Foo Fighters yeah or, man or U2 or something yeah and you'll notice if you pay attention really hard in the set there'll be a point one member of the band whips his head around and looks at another dude in the band and you're like okay I didn't hear that but, but he just he hit did. a wrong note well, they all have monitors. Yeah, and so, you know. And I'm so. like, so they're aware of it, but oh, yeah. in this yeah. place, it it sounded fine in the context of the song. But it, it usually they look at each other and kind of laugh. You play it yeah. off, yeah. But yeah, but it's just funny that it's like, oh, oh, we hit well, something weird there. If you, if you were playing with for Chuck Berry, you'd be losing money because right. exactly. was it? He took money every time you missed. Yeah, it was note. like twenty dollars yeah, for every like, mistake or something. He taxed you, you for it. Yeah. Well, that was the dude I always loved, uh, saxophone player that had played with James Brown, and then he got picked up by Parliament. And he was talking about that, like, coming in, like, well, well sir, what do I need to wear? Like, George Clinton, sir, what do I need to wear? He's like, well, what you into, man? Just put on whatever you want. This dude wants to wear a wedding dress. This guy wants to wear this. Just do your thing. And he's like, well, what if I make a mistake? Whatever, man, it's fuck. You just kind of yeah, go dude, there and fun. do it. Just remember, and one, and you're good, dude. Right. Just, just, <laughs> and you're just, good. We're here to jam, dude. We're yeah. here to have some fun. And he's like, I went from James Brown, where it was like in the middle of the set, he looked at you and just shit, like, look, you're cut. And it was like, okay. And it's like, George Clinton's like, man, we're here to rock and have some fun, bro. Like, hey, man, I really like how you played that C major over, you know, like. Yeah. You have no idea what the hell you did. <laughs> this was a terrible mistake, but he's right. cool with it, you know. This just goes to show you that some assholes do make it through the gauntlet. Like, Absolutely. More often than not, I think. Very true. I don't know, because, like, everybody that we know, like, if you're an asshole, you don't really get very far. Well, it's not even... The, the, I wouldn't even call them... Some of them just are really professional, and they yeah, want to be perfect. Okay, I probably shouldn't say that. Yeah. Set in their ways, Perfectionists. I, I would say. Yeah. I mean, well, late life Chuck Berry was just like, I fly into a city, find two dudes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe three dudes. But usually, I just want a bait rhythm section that doesn't step on my lead plane. And by that point in his career, that was an easy thing to do because he was a legend. But I mean, I try not to let stuff like that wear on me. Where if I I make a mistake here and there, I kind of let it slide. But I, I just can't, man. Like I'll do something like where maybe I'm like I don't get the pickup notes like right like to start the song or whatever and i will dude i will dwell on that for weeks if not months and like aw- like just feel awkward inside about it for so long man it's amazing when you're on some like long alone drive like especially in houston where everything's like 30 40 minutes from your house and you're like 20 minutes in you're like suddenly in your head's like two weeks ago you fucked up oh yeah song. dude and that it's happens like, oh oh my god it was so it's like you let the band you're like just, you're on the i'm on the way to a gig right and 
then right before I pull in, this little voice in my head like whispers in my ear, remember that one time you messed this part up in this song? Don't do that again. <laughs> and so like, oh, everyone knew. Like, no, everybody knew it, yeah. Everyone knows. Or when people come up, it's like, great show. It's like, yeah, except for the way I started the fourth, third song. But you can't like what? you can't say that, you know? Like you have to be you have to be <laughs> graceful about it. Even though you thought you played a terrible set, you have to be like, Oh, thanks, man. Like we really nailed it. We really did the, it's Jeez. it's like Ricky Bobby after a race. You know, the car ran good. Yeah. Crew did great, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do with my hands? <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. That's how every musician is when you talk to after a show. It's team game, team exercise, takes a whole team to lose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) All right, man. Cool. I think that's a good place to... Thanks for coming Oh no, there's one more thing we need to talk about. What is it we need to talk about? Um, I saw on Instagram the other day that someone put out a questionnaire about getting Blackgrass back together. I saw that. Yeah. That came across my feed. How real is that? I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just I'm angling for a reunion because I'm like dying to play those songs again. Okay. And I know Hal would probably be into it too, but dude, there's just that band for me was something special. You know, yeah. I put a ton of work into that. They did too. And I looked at our Spotify like several days ago and noticed that we still have quite a bit of activity on it. Like, oh yeah. Shit, you know, like maybe we're not the only people that want to hear this again. And it, dude, you know, like when you haven't seen your old buddies in a long time and you get back together, like you just bump into each other or it's like a high school reunion kind of deal or one of those special events and you kind of like everybody sees everybody for the first time in a long time. It's like, dude, you know, get to catch up. And that's kind of how those songs are. You know, like every now and then I'll have something on shuffle and one of them will pop up in a playlist on Spotify and all these memories come back, like where we were at and, you know, like what we were doing when we wrote this song, like what was going on, like just everything comes back to you. Like you can close your eyes and picture a moment in time and put yourself back there again. And I I mean, I kind of want to, I would love to do that again. I, I miss those guys. I mean, obviously Randall lives in, uh, Kansas, Kansas City. City now. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen him in so long. And Hal and I, we don't live that far apart, but dude, we're adults now. Like we have day jobs and kids and right. stuff like that. So we don't all get to hang out as much as we used to. But for a while, we bonded over that content. And it would be right. really cool to have that back and put that out there again for the people that still enjoy that stuff, man. And, uh, That'd be awesome. you know, Obviously, it wasn't for everybody. Some of that stuff was really abrasive, and there were some themes in there that might rub some people the wrong way even, but that was us like letting it all hang out. And uh, I think as a musician, everything that you kind of put any effort into, that's a part of you because it's, you know, it's passion. You know, it's art, art subjective. You take the risk of creating something that you think is badass and then you put it out there and hope that somebody likes it. And if you get lucky enough that a handful of people think this is cool, then you cling to that for as long as you can, you know, and that's what Blackgrass was for me. Like did not think this would turn into anything like this and it did. And then it just disappeared. You know, we all just kind of went our separate ways. There was no discussion of like, okay, we're completely done with this. It was just, it just kind of ended. Yeah. So there was no like there there was no resolve. I'm still waiting for the the end to right. that story. Get together and do that last like here it is. Yeah, yeah. This is it, guys. Like, you know, not nah, not like Kiss, you know. We're not going to do like 40 farewell tours God. or anything, but still going. <laughs> it would be nice to get together and do a little run and be like, "Okay, let's close the books on this on a good note and yeah. be done with it." It was cool and it was fun, but we've all moved on. So, but it'd be really nice to end that sentence with 
an exclamation mark rather than dot 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 or a question mark or a question mark yeah right on man all right well again thank you for coming through dude yeah thanks for having me man this is uh it's really cool appreciate it i think y'all have a good thing going here man i really like this uh format you got to just kind of low-key hanging out in the living room like you're chilling with your buddies you know (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's the best. You know, y'all got cool awesome. things going too. It's all the same deal, man. It's like no one's talking about any of our people, so we'll talk about them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's how you how you get out there, dude. Like everybody helps everybody, and then it starts to grow, and there exactly. comes a point in time where you can't stop it now. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Bye. Bye. Thank y'all for listening to this episode of Music in the Minor League. If y'all like what you heard, please share the episode with a friend. It's the best way for us to reach new listeners and to get these people the exposure they deserve. There's a lot of ups and downs with this podcast, episode to episode, and really the ones that are shared are the ones that get the most traction, man. So get out there and spread the word. It really helps everybody out. If you enjoyed the bands, or in this case, Chris Barnes holding down the bass for various bands, go follow them everywhere you can online, man, and on your streaming service a choice all these people are out there busy they're out there making music for you they're keeping you dancing you know go out there and show them some love now we're gonna leave you with a song from chris barnes band where we met him black grass gospel this one's titled devil's wake it's one of the ones i really dig the most man so i'm looking forward to y'all hearing it again we'll be back in two weeks with another episode and we'll see you then man have a good one come catch us around town bye-bye Hey, what the fuck do you know?